So, yes, awakening. This is what we're going to be looking at over the month. And I must admit, like Reese just said, I was, found it a little bit ironic that we were looking at awakening just after the clock goes back. And it gets harder and harder to wake up in the morning. It gets colder. And, yeah, I don't, I'm not a morning person, as you can probably tell. Um, and that's why early morning prayer is even more of a sacrifice of praise. Um, but, yeah, if you can come along to that, that would be great. Um, but today, we're not talking about, thank goodness, that physical process of waking up in the morning. We're not talking about our physical bodies here. We're talking about more than that this month. We're talking about awakening of our souls, awakening of our spirits, awakening to God. And one of the definitions of awaken, which I really like, means to become active again or to become aware of again. And, you know, it's, it's normal, right? We all go through times and seasons where we can feel a little bit disconnected from God, where we feel like maybe we're just going through the motions, or we feel that we're not as awake as we could be to what God is doing in our lives. And that's, that's normal, but God wants so much more for you. John 10.10, and uh, Steph shared this scripture a couple of weeks ago. This is Jesus talking. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to this earth so that you could have life in all of its fullness. And that includes every aspect of your life. That includes your spiritual life and your relationship with God. Jesus' desire is for you to have a full, alive and active relationship with God and you may be sitting here this morning thinking yes I've got that <laughs> I am on a fire for God today I'm 100% passionate I'm all in I'm there or you may be feeling that there are aspects of your life where you're just going through the motions <laughs> you may be having an off day or an off season um, I've been there <laughs> I've, I've been there where I've come to church and I've maybe felt disconnected But today, what I want to do is to encourage you is that when you go through those times, there are things that we can do to stir up our faith and to awaken ourselves to what God wants to do in and through us. So I've called this message this morning, Awakened by the Light, which, if you think about it, is quite a clever play on words. Um, because physically we are awakened by the light in the morning. That's one of the things that triggers our our brain to wake us up. Um, But when we're talking about awakening of our spirit, of our soul, of the depths of who we are, it is only Jesus, the light, who can do that for us. And as Joy's mentioned, and I'm pretty much going to repeat a lot of what you've just said, Joy, um, it's by walking closely with Jesus that we get this awakening, that we get this fullness to our life. Um, And I've been given a passage to look at with you today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Um, And in my style, I suppose, we're going to read it all, and then we're going to go and break it down, because it talks about this process of awakening. But just to give you a little bit of context first, Um, This is a letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, which is the largest or was the largest city in Macedonia 
at the time. Um, and it was a thriving church. It was a really fast-growing church. They were seeing a lot of growth really quickly. And like the first four and a half chapters of this letter, it's pretty much Paul saying, you are doing great. You are doing so well. You're, you're modeling the love of Christ. You're loving each other. You're being gracious to each other. You're doing so well. And it's so encouraging to read it. And if you've got time this week, go and read the whole thing. But we're going to pick it up at chapter 5. And I must admit, it does get maybe a little bit meatier uh, towards the end. So bear with me. We're going to read it all. And then we're going to pull some things out. So starting chapter 5, verse 1 says, Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong, hang on, we do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. There's a lot in there an awful lot in there and you know there's some quite challenging words and things in there it talks about the day of the lord it talks about destruction it talks about labor pains um lots of things that are maybe a bit challenging some concepts for us to think about but just as a bit of a sidebar before we work through it you know when you come across these challenging things when you're reading the bible or when you're hearing verses it's so important to get context to it. You know, if we press on and we read on, we find that it's talking about us being children of light and how Jesus has saved us and given us a hope. But if we didn't get past those first few verses, we could be confused, we could take them out of context, and it could, it could weigh us down. It could give us the wrong impression or the wrong idea of what God has in store for us. So when you're reading the Bible, read it through the lens of Jesus, read it through the lens of the gospel, read it through the big picture, all of scripture points towards Jesus. So remember that, remember his love, remember what he's done when you're reading the Bible. Okay, back to it. So let's start. Chapter five, verse one. For now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates we do not need to write for you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them as suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. And again, just to put a bit of context to this, this isn't Paul just talking about the return of Jesus out of the blue. 
this was something that was really relevant and really poignant to the church at the time, the church in Thessalon, the Thessalonian church, sorry, who he was writing to. Because as they'd grown so quickly, they'd kind of got a bit of a warped view of this. So Paul was writing to them to bring teaching. And what some of them had been doing was actually, they were living so expectant that Jesus was going to return any day now that they'd kind of just given up normal life. They'd given up working. They'd, um, you know, maybe we could all look at using that as an excuse. I'm not going to work because Jesus might return. Um, But that's what they'd done. They were so convinced that they weren't pulling their weight. They were becoming a burden to other people. And when you read at the end of chapter 4, Paul writes, don't be a burden to other people. It's important for you to work. And that's the context of it. They were so ready and they were so, in some ways it's admirable, full of faith. But they'd also become so obsessed with this that they weren't living out the life that God had for them. They weren't active and they weren't fully engaged in what God had for them to do here, well, there and then on the earth. And so when we read pieces of scripture like this, when we think about things like the return of Jesus, we can go two ways with it. We can be like the Thessalonian church where we're just ready and waiting and take me now, God. Um, Or we can go the other way and I might have been a bit guilty of this, at sometimes just ignoring it. I don't like to think about end times. I don't like to think that there's going to be an end to things. I'm quite comfortable. I'm quite cosy in my life at the moment. Um, And therefore, when I read things like this, I'll just rush over them. (laughs) Pretend I haven't read that. That's fine. Um, But then we're missing out on so much of what God has in store for us. We're missing out on the mission that he's called us to. We're missing out um, on the hope and the excitation and just the the anticipation of a life together in heaven with him. So maybe a healthier approach to looking at this would be to understanding and acknowledging that, yes, one day Jesus will return. And that in some ways, every day that that hasn't happened, we're getting closer. We're getting closer and closer to it. And that should give us a healthy sense of urgency in our lives. It should give us an urgency to want to not waste our time, to want to live life to the full, to want to love people to the full, to want to share the news of Jesus, um, to want to just experience life in all of its fullness. And that's where I think this idea of awakening comes in. Because when we believe and we know that there's an urgency to our lives, that there's a plan, there's a purpose to our lives, that makes us want to not waste time and to step into all that God has for us. So that's why it's important to be awake to God. And for the time that I've got left this morning, I want to just look um, at a few things and pull a few more things out of this scripture that I think can really help us to awake to God, that can help us to awaken ourselves. And the first thing is to remember that you are a child of the light. So if we follow this scripture on from verse 4, It says, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. If you follow Jesus, 
If you believe in Jesus, you are a child of the light. That is your identity. It's who you are. And I think it's so key when we're thinking about awakening, when we're thinking about reconnecting ourselves to God, to live in life to the full, it's important that we really do have to go back to our identity, who Jesus is, who we are. And here we are reminded that we are children of the light. That is our identity. John chapter 8, verse 12. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We have this promise that we will never walk in darkness. If we're following Jesus, we will never walk in darkness. And we've just sung that God's promises, we can trust, we can believe in them, we can amen them. We know that they are true. So you are children of the light. That is your identity. So what, what does that look like? What does, it like what, what does my life look like living in the light compared to my life look like when I'm living in the dark? And it sounds really basic, but I've just got a few differences between light and dark that can hopefully help you to see and reflect on areas in your life where, yeah, you're doing great. Jesus is there. He's walking with you. You've allowed him in and you're, you're on that journey. But maybe also to highlight some areas where you've still not let Jesus in, where there isn't that light shining, where maybe you're trying to go it on your own. So a couple of things about light and darkness. The first thing is that light guides, darkness confuses. Light guides, darkness confuses. Um, we've recently been on holiday. We had a lovely time, thank you very much. Um, and we had this hotel room where um, our bed was just kind of like it was the same room but it was almost round the corner from where Eli our two-year-old's bed was and for some reason he wasn't sleeping very well <laughs> probably because we'd fueled him with ice creams and cake and adrenaline but for some reason I don't know why he just he wasn't sleeping very well so he was up quite a bit in the night and we were having to go up I was having to go up and settle him quite a bit but this room was unfamiliar and it was pitch black. They had the best blackout curtains. It's maybe jealous, I've got to go and invest in some for myself. Um, but it was pitch black. But where Eli was sleeping, just above his head, there was a, a television, all safe, I promise. Um, but there was this tiny little green light at the bottom of the TV, which you have never noticed during the day. Wouldn't have caught your eye at all. But in the pitch black, that tiny little, it wasn't even that bright of a green light, was enough to guide me towards him. I couldn't see him, but I could see the green light and I knew where I was going. And without that, I would have been fumbling, tripping over, trying to pat down the walls on the way towards him. Um, but it just gave me that guide. It gave me that direction. And that is what Jesus does for us too. He gives us that direction. He gives us that, that direction, that vision to walk towards. You know, he doesn't always illuminate every aspect of our life. He doesn't always give us the full picture, every single detail of everything that's going on in our lives now and forevermore. Because 
I don't think I could cope with that. But he gives me just enough, enough, what's right for me to know in order to follow him and pursue him and to walk in the light, to walk towards the light. So when, when you're walking with Jesus, you have a life that's full of vision. You have a life that's full of direction. You may not know every detail, but you know where you're headed because it's towards Jesus and it's with Jesus. But when you're living your life, maybe not with Jesus, or we're walking through times and seasons where we feel asleep to God, where we feel disconnected or um, just not in step with things, then that can cause confusion. It can make us think we don't know which way to go. We don't know which way to turn. We don't know who to listen to and who to follow to, who to follow. So if you're in a, a season or experiencing confusion in some areas of your life today, then I would encourage you to, to bring the light into that situation. Bring Jesus into it. Find out what it is that he wants you to, to, to walk towards. Walk towards him in that situation. Because Jesus guides us, the light guides us, and darkness confuses. The second thing is that light reveals and darkness conceals. I hope, because it's a very important movie, I hope you've all watched Beauty and the Beast. I'm talking about the original Disney animated version, um, maybe not so much the live action version. But I think this moment is in that one too. Um, there's a moment in that film where Belle, of course, is told not to go to the West Wing, but happens to have stumbled and found herself in the West Wing. And she comes across the beast there, but he's like lurking in the shadows and she can't really make out who, she is, who he is. And she says to him, step into the light. And there just happens to be this like moonbeam of light right in front of her. And he steps out of the darkness and into this beam of light. And suddenly, this thing that was so scary to her, that was um, so unknown and causing her so much fear, became much less fearful. She could see what she was dealing with. She could see what was in front of her. And although she still didn't understand him, and you'll have to watch the rest of the movie to find out what happens, um, but it just dispelled so much fear that she had about him. And again... Maybe a tedious link, but that's what Jesus does with us. He, that light that he carries brings revelation to our lives. It brings us understanding. It brings us clarity. It gives us revelation about who God is, revelation about who we are, revelation about the people around us and our circumstances and, and the things that we go through, the things that we face. Jesus brings us that revelation. And when we're not walking with him or when we're a bit asleep, when we are, are not fully in relationship with him, then things can remain hidden. And those things can cause us to be afraid. Those things can cause us to, um, to be embarrassed even. Those things can cause us to feel shame. But when we bring things to the light, into the light, and we hold them up against the light, Jesus, we realize that actually they're not so scary, they're not so big, they're not so powerful as we thought they were in our lives. So if, if, you're if you find yourself afraid or intimidated by something today, bring that to Jesus. Bring that to the light. Verse 
And the next thing, I'm only, I had four, but I'm only going to do three in the interest of time. Um, light brings security and darkness brings vulnerability. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever been out at night driving and you've seen um, like the, the sofa shops normally, the furniture shops for some reason, are all still really brightly lit. And you think, you know, cost of living, wouldn't want to be paying your energy bills. But they do it for a reason, they do it for a purpose. Um, maybe two purposes, I'm having some revelation. Maybe they still want you to see the sofas when you're driving past and thinking, oh, that's a nice sofa. But also, they're doing it for security reasons, right? Somebody is less likely to break in or to cause disruption or to do something dodgy when the lights are on and when things are illuminated. It's why we have security lights on our houses and things as well. And it's, it's the same, you know, when, when we're in the light, there's a security there. We feel safe, we feel seen. When we're not in the light, we kind of feel a bit vulnerable, a bit susceptible, a bit open to things. And um, when we're walking with Jesus, when we're in relationship with him, when we're walking with the light, that is the safest, most secure place that we can possibly be. In relationship with Jesus, daily walking with him, walking in his light brings us so much security and confidence and assurance. And when we step away from that, it makes us feel vulnerable and open to attack. So if you're feeling vulnerable today, remember that there is no better deterrent to the darkness than stepping and walking with Jesus. So go to Jesus. There's a theme here this morning. <laughs> it's about Jesus. So moving on, the, the next thing to pull out from this Thessalonian scripture is to choose to be awake and sober. Verse 6 and 7 and 8 say, So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. And I really like how it uh, expands it in the Amplified version. Again, Joy, we're on, a, we're on the wavelength today. Um, Verse 6 says, So then do not let us sleep in spiritual indifference as the rest of the world does, but let us keep awake, alert, and cautious, and let us be sober, self-controlled, calm, and wise. Although Paul does talk about drunkenness, the word sober here doesn't actually mean not under the influence of alcohol. It means to be ready and alert and awake and just... It means to be self-controlled, as it says there, of sober mind. And yes, drunkenness is one thing that can affect our ability to be ready and awake and alert to God. But it got me thinking that it's not the only thing, especially not in our modern lives. It's not the only thing that causes us to not be responsive and awake to God. It makes me think about the different escape mechanisms that we have in life. Um, Things like binge-watching TV and endlessly scrolling social media, gaming for hours on end, you know, these things that in themselves aren't bad. You know, it's it's not a sin to be on social media, but it's the hours that we plow into it. It's the priority that we give it, sometimes even without the considered thought. It's just the habit of how much time and space those things take up in our lives. 
that distract us and kind of numb us out to the reality that we're living in. It's the reality that God has got a mission and a plan for you where you are on that day at that time. So think about your escape mechanisms. Think about the things that may not be unhealthy in moderation, but maybe the things that you're letting run away with you or the things that are getting out of hand in your lives. And just as it's important to um, recognize the things that distract us and pull us away from God, it's just as important to explore and pursue the things that draw you nearer to God and pull you closer to God. You know, there are some things that can be fundamental for all of us, things like spending time with God, reading the Bible, praying, fasting, worshiping, fellowship, these key disciplines which we know about. They're so good for you, but there's also things that, you know, God created you unique and individual. And there are things that may be helpful for you to connect with God that might not be helpful for other people. So for me, um, one thing that I really enjoy doing and one thing that I feel awakens me, awakes my soul, is to, is to journal, is to write, is to just get out on paper what is going on in here. And when I can see it, then I can give it to God. And that's something that I find really helpful. And I know when I'm maybe a bit asleep in life, a bit asleep spiritually, or, or not as awake as I could be, because that notebook goes... <laughs> onto the side for a little while and I don't get it out. And that's something that helps me, but it might not be something that helps you. For you, it might be walking in nature. It might be being creative or doing a specific hobby or task that you find really connects you with God. It might be you know, practicing gratitude or meditating on different aspects of God. There are different things that God has put within you different gifts and different things within your personality that may be there that you don't know God has put there so that he can connect with you. So just as it is important to, um, to guard ourselves against the things that can pull us away from God, we should also be exploring and pursuing the things that bring us closer to him. Because those things will help us to be responsive to him they'll help us to hear his voice they'll help us to then be awake to be ready and to be active to what God is telling us to do and the last thing that I want to say today the last part that I want to pull out from this scripture is to know that you are equipped for the task so we all know, right, that the goal is for us to be awake. The goal is for us to be in relationship with God and, and passionate about him and that for that to be a really rich relationship. But as we've seen, there are things that can get in the way of that. There are things that can distract us. There are things that can discourage us. There are things that can disappoint us in life, that can almost draw us away or, or pose a risk to our relationship with God. So there are some things that I think we can pull out that can really help us to stay on track. As Steph preached about a couple of weeks ago, things that can help us to stay in our lane and to run our race with perseverance. So the first one is that we are equipped with faith, love, and hope. And this comes from verse 8. Since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. 
God has gifted us with faith and love to guard our hearts, to keep our hearts soft. You know, when you're feeling disappointed, stir up that faith within you. Remind yourself of the love that God has for you. Remind yourself of the times when you felt so in love with God, and that will soften and guard your heart. Remind yourself of your salvation. That will guard your mind when you sit and you think about what Jesus did on that cross to be in relationship with you. That's so powerful at renewing your mind and putting things in perspective. So guard yourself with faith, hope, and love. The second thing, or the next thing to pull out, is that you are equipped with Jesus. So verse 9 says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. This is a promise that we have to live together with Jesus. And just maybe as a a little bit of a, a sidebar, when it says here in this scripture, he died for us so that whether we're awake or asleep, it's thought here that this means slightly different to the awake that we've been looking at. That awake here means alive and asleep means dead. And it means that really, it doesn't matter whether we're alive or dead, we can have that relationship with Jesus, saying we don't have to wait until we've died physically to be with Jesus. While we're alive, while we're awake, while we're living and breathing on this earth, we can be with Jesus. And then also when we die, we can be with Jesus. But you're equipped with Jesus. You're not alone. You have the King of Kings, the Son of God, the almighty miracle worker by your side every single day. And that should make you feel equipped. That should make you feel ready. That should make you feel awake and responsive. There is no better tool belt that you can have than Jesus walking with you. He is everything and all that you need, and he promises to be with you. And the last thing, verse 11, we've made it, we're there. It says, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. We are equipped with community. We're equipped with each other. We are a gift to each other. God has given us to each other to encourage us. And this scripture doesn't say, you know, if you feel like it, encourage one another. Or if you feel that you've got this specific gift of encouragement, encourage one another. Or if you've had a good day, encourage one another. There's no caveats to it. The instruction is encourage one another. And I think you, you may or you may not, I hope you have, experienced the, the blessing and the transformation that a word of encouragement at the right time can bring. There have been times when I've felt myself maybe distancing from God, whether that's intentionally or not. But someone has spoken into my life at the right time and that has turned me around and that has sent me running right back to him. We have the ability to do that for each other. So do your bit, be an encourager. 
Yes, tell someone how nice their hair is or, you know, how well they've achieved in something. But maybe push yourself a bit more than that. Encourage them in their faith. Tell them that you're going to pray for them and, and then pray for them. You have to follow it up. Then pray for them. Tell them about the gifts that you see in their life. Tell them about how they encourage you in your faith. Be an encourager and receive encouragement graciously. So, to summarize, God wants you to be awake. He wants you to be ready. He wants you to be responsive to him. He wants you to live in fullness with him. And this starts with us reminding ourselves of our identity. Reminding ourselves that we're children of the light. And we have to make space for this in our lives. We have to intentionally draw near to God. We have to be aware of the things that pull us away. And we have to encourage each other to keep us going. Being awake to God is being present to him. Fully present to him. And I just want to pray for us as we finish today. Um, Just to pray for exactly that. That God would awaken us where he needs to awaken us today. So let's pray. Let's just take a moment. I know that when it gets to this point, and I've been guilty of this before, when a preacher starts to pray, maybe sometimes I start thinking about the kids in kids' church or thinking about getting out the car park or thinking about the dinner. But, you know, let's just take a moment to be fully present to God, to live life to the full right in this moment. Because God is fully present to you. Jesus is with you. He's as close as the air that you're breathing. Jesus, we thank you for being the light in our lives. Thank you for being that guiding light, that secure place for us. And thank you for promising to walk through life with us. And Jesus, I thank you that you don't do that kicking and screaming. You didn't once make us a promise and now you're begrudgingly following us around. But you love us. You died for us. You're in pursuit of us. And we are just blown away by that. Jesus, help us to awaken to you today. Stir our hearts. Reveal to us areas that we need to give to you, areas that we can invite you in more, areas where we can grow in trust and faith so that we are living life fully present, fully awake to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us. We glorify you. We worship you.